The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Now, you know, have you ever noticed how messy life can get? How life can pull on your time, your resources, your emotions. And things sometimes can just get messy, can't they? I mean, we have to work, we have to raise families, we have to do a lot of other things that we don't want to do. But the enemy comes to us in a lot of different ways in our busy schedules to try to clutter our heart and hinder us from doing the thing that's most important in our life, and that's following Jesus. Cultivating our life in Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told of a lot of ways that we can be blessed. In Matthew 5, 8, he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Now, the heart is the center of one's being. Would you all agree with that? You know, this little, little muscle that is in our chest, size of your fist, but yet it's the center of our life. If your heart doesn't function properly, guess what? You're not going to be healthy. And if your heart stops, we're going to go meet Jesus. Everybody's awful quiet. <laughs> it's not that serious. I'm just, you know. He says, those with a pure heart will see God. You know, we can see God and experience Him, His presence here in this life. And we'll also intimately experience him in the life to come. Life can be a lot clearer when our heart's pure and uncluttered. When things come into our life that, you know, just mess up our time as far as spending with God and prayer and the, and the word. It can change our schedule. Bring us to a place where we need to have a restoration of heart. We can see life a whole lot clearer when our heart is pure and uncluttered. And in this life, you know, it's important for us to maintain a pure heart. When our hearts are pure, then we think toward God in a much clearer and definite way. And the heart is so important because Proverbs 4.23, it says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything we do flows from the heart. There are many things in this world that wants to bring impurities and to our life and 
to our heart and clutter it up and, and keep us from, you know, pursuing God like we should. We must guard our heart because everything we do flows from it. You know, gold, how many likes gold? Well, the rest of you aren't truthful. Uh, <clears throat> but you know, gold is a precious metal. But in its raw form, it's not worth a lot. <clears throat> but it has a hidden value. And when you put fire to this stone and all the impurities and all the dross are taken out of it, it becomes pure and valuable. And it's much like our heart. When we allow God to do a restoration of our heart and take away all things that clutter our heart, life becomes more valuable. The same way that fire purifies gold and removes all of the impurities, the Word of God is our refining fire. It keeps us on track. When those things come into our life that the world holds on to, the Word of God will straighten us out, will show us what's right, bring us back to a place that's true and right. But, you know, a pure heart is obtained through process. It doesn't happen sometimes overnight. So we go through a process of doing the things we know they're right to do to keep a pure heart. And a pure heart, you know, is one that resists the old patterns of our lives as we grow in Jesus. <clears throat> King David was a man just like you and I who fought to always have a pure heart. In Psalms 51.10, David prayed, Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. In other words, he wanted an undivided heart that desires to please God. I, I believe King David was a good man. He wasn't a perfect man. And like you and I, he struggled with things. He made poor decisions. He made wrong choices. But he was a man after God's heart because he had a repentant heart. And when God exposed sin in his life, or the prophet exposed sin in his life, David repented. He didn't make excuses. He owned up to his failures. You know, we live in a world today that, <clears throat> at least the way I view it, they a lot of times don't want to own up to their own failures. They want to blame somebody else. But you know, failures aren't anything that's bad. They're a stepping stone to success.
We live in a fallen world, a world at all times trying to pull us back into our old ways, to our old values and principles that we served before we came to Jesus. The enemy is always at, at work trying to pull us down, and we're at war with Satan, in case you don't know it. We're in a war with Satan. Because you know what? He wants to steal your heart and your soul. The devil has many tools he uses against us. And we have to be wise not to give in to his lies that he wants to fill our hearts with. Those lies that clutter our heart, that tell us untruths, that lead us in a way that will not bring us into a prosperous and full life. Now, trouble is nothing new. We all will experience trouble, even when we know Jesus. Now, I know that's a re probably a great revelation you guys are, are getting, I know. But uh, when Jesus was ready to leave the earth, he told the disciples, he says, you're, you're going to have troubles. But he says, take heart. I have overcome the world. And you know what? Because he overcome the world, we can have peace even in the midst of trouble. We can have peace today that passes all of our understanding when we keep our minds and our hearts in Christ Jesus. Life can be a lot cleaner when the heart's pure. I want to look at three things that clutter the heart today. And this is probably by no means an exhausted list. But things I've struggled with in my own life, and I'm sure many of you have struggled with some of them. And the first one is the cares of this world or worldliness. In 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17, says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now, everything in the world, it says, for everything in the world, which means the values and the principles of this world. Worldness consists of, of three attitudes. Sensuality, materialism, and presentious displays of things that we have and tend to impress others. So these things, three things that was mentioned in 1 John 2, we talk about the lust of the flesh, we're talking about sensuality or being preoccupied with the gratification of the senses and the appetites. Whatever makes us feel good. You know, we live in a world that people want to do whatever feels good. 
I want to go out and drink and get drunk so, you know, I can, I can feel good. I can desensitize my feelings of, of what reality really is. Or maybe they get into drugs. Things they want to do that makes them feel good. Makes them want to feel a false goodness. It doesn't last because, you know, they still need to go out and do it over and over and over and over again to feel good, to get that good feeling. Whatever makes us feel good, whatever gratifies the sinful nature, the lust of the flesh. And the lust of the eyes is materialism. Putting value on things and desiring to have more and more things. Now, it's not wrong to have things, is it? But if our desire is overwhelmingly wanting more and more things, then we need to check our heart. See if our heart is pure. We need to check our values and what's important in our life. Sometimes people put more value on material things than they do in their spiritual lives. And I know that can sound harsh. But the truth all a lot of the times is harsh. And the pride of life, boasting about one, what one has obtained. We can obtain everything there is in the world, but you know, I got a secret I'm going to tell you. We came into the world with nothing, and we're going out of the world with nothing. So it doesn't matter how much stuff you obtain down here, you're not taking any of it with you to heaven. I know, that's shocking. But it's true. So the first thing we looked at was worldliness or the cares of this life. We have to be careful to not let the values of this life overrun our spiritual values. And clutter our hearts. Second thing is unforgiveness. When we have unforgiveness in our heart, it affects our whole being. Many things happen to people, I mean terrible things, horrible, horribly wrong things. And I'm not saying anything to minimize what some people may have gone through. In our minds, you know, we can justify the reason why we can't forgive. But unforgiveness will embitter our mind, our heart, and our soul. If we hold on to it, it will embitter our whole being. 
In our minds, we can justify a lot of different reasons why we can't forgive, but it will take away our joy and our peace. It will embitter your whole life. In Matthew 6, 14, 15, Jesus said, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. God doesn't want us to have unforgiveness in our heart, cluttering up our heart so that we can't see him in the way we need to see him. Every day we have choices to make. When you get up in the morning, you have a choice. I'm going to be... No, I won't say that. Every day we make choices to be offended or to be unoffended. It's a choice we make. We have to live with the choices we make. Or we choose to forgive or to not forgive. Because God wants our heart pure. And with those things in our heart, we cannot have a pure heart. We cannot see God in the way that we should see God. I have dealt with people who was dealing with unforgiveness. And the first thing that generally would come out of their mouth that says, you don't understand what I've been through. And you know, that's true. I didn't know what they had gone through. But I knew one who had known what they went through. I know one who had been beaten, had been whipped, had been spit on, had been lied to, had a crown of thorns put on his head, and then they nailed him to the cross. He knew what they had been through. And we read what Jesus went through. And what did he say in his last breaths? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I don't think any of us have gone through what Jesus went through, but yet he said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, that doesn't minimize anything that anybody in this room has gone through. Because I've dealt with unforgiveness in my own life. When I was growing up, my dad was an alcoholic. He drank all the time. He somehow worked five days a week, but on Friday night, it was drunk all weekend. And the horrible fights I witnessed between my mom and my dad when he would come home you know, drunk out of his mind. And we lived in a four-room house, and I remember going in the bedroom, just covering my ears with a pillow so I didn't have to listen to all the arguing and all the 
bad words that was being said and how they lashed out at one another. As I grew older, I always felt my dad loved my older brother more than he did me. My dad's name was Ike, and they called my older brother Little Ike. And as I entered into high school, uh, God gave me the ability to play sports, and I always played football, basketball, run track, and play baseball because I wanted my dad to be proud of me. Later in life, we got along okay, but there was one instance in my life that was really something emotionally that, that gripped me that I didn't know until latter years had such a hold on me, but I'd asked my dad to come. We were having, they were having a father-son night at the football game, and he was going to be introduced to your dad, and I wanted my dad to be introduced with me and to be proud of him, and he'd be proud of me, and, and I asked him, would you come and stand with me at the game, dad? He really didn't answer me, and the night of the game, it was time for the fathers and the sons to line up. My dad didn't show up. He was out getting drunk. And so I had a coach stand with me. And when I first went into ministry, I was 12th and D, I was in my office one day, and I was praying and reading, and it wasn't an audible voice, but it was this small, still voice that spoke to me and said, you got to forgive your dad. And I'm thinking, now God, you know all things. You know that my dad is dead. So it was going to be hard to ask my dad to forgive me. You know what I mean? That's... That, <laughs> It's going a little bit beyond what anything I can do is. Uh, <laughs> but then I heard that voice say, it's not for your dad, it's for you. And what it brought to my mind was I had forgiven my dad for all those things in my mind. But I had not forgiven him in my heart. And that day as I sat at my desk and I wept and Thank God for caring enough about me that he wanted me to have a pure heart that he could possess all of my heart, not just part of it. And that's the same with all of us. Unforgiveness can embitter the soul and the heart and the life of a person who will continue to allow it to be present in your life. You can have freedom You can have freedom. And the third thing is fear. Fear can paralyze our lives and can hinder us from fulfilling God's plan and purpose in our life. God knew that we would deal with fear because Fear appears 365 times in the scriptures. 
Does that mean we have to yield to it? Absolutely not. We have a God who is more powerful and we can rebuke fear and walk in faith because that's what God wants us to do. You know, Satan has a lot of tools he uses against us. And the handle of every one of them is fear. Because if he can get us into a place that we're fearing, then we cannot rise up in faith. Because fear will negate our, our faith. In 1 John 4, 18... It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Fear has punishment. You ever started a new job and just didn't know what it was going to be like, and there was just kind of a fear there that, you know, you weren't going to be enough for the job, that you weren't going to have the ability, and, and all those things that goes through the mind, you know, and just clutters up our mind and heart because of fear. Remember the story of Jesus walking on the water? He had been teaching the people, and he put the disciples in the boat and told them, go across the lake, uh, I'll catch up with you. And... Uh, so they did, and uh, there was a pretty strong wind blowing, but uh, they set off, and uh, Jesus went back and dismissed the people, and then he went up on the hillside, and uh, he was there to pray. He prayed, and through most of the night, watched and, and to dawn, and uh, then he started walking out to the disciples on water. Now, the disciples hadn't got very far because the wind was so strong against the boat, they couldn't get very far. And so he comes walking on water out to them, and, and they see him, and man, they're terrified. Now, I'm paraphrasing this, but they're terrified. They said, it's a ghost. What did Jesus tell them? He says, don't be afraid. It's I. Peter says, well, if it's you, Jesus, tell me to come out to you. I love Peter. He's so impetuous. I don't think he counted the cost of this one. But he got out of the boat, and he started walking to Jesus, and he was just cruising along. I mean, you know, and all of a sudden, he started looking around at the waves and started looking at the wind, and he started sinking. He says, Lord, save me. So Jesus reached out his hand and got him. And got him back up in the water and so they walked over the boat. I think of the times that I was thinking that Jesus reached out and he put me up on the solid rock. And that fear just left. We see more clearly with love and faith in our heart than 
our hearts being cluttered with fear. God's love for us is never ending. I don't think we can truly comprehend how much Jesus loves us. They asked Jesus once, what's the greatest command? And he responded, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Not just part, but all. Jesus loves you so much, he wants to possess all of your heart. He wants you to walk in pureness of heart, to walk this life that we can see him more clearly, to fulfill his plan and purpose in our lives. Let's not let the cares of this world, unforgiveness or fear clatter, clutter our heart that God wants so desperately to possess. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your love that is never ending. We thank you, Father, that you are at work in all of us. And Father, we're all going through a process of becoming what you want us to be. And Lord, I thank you I thank you for your word that is our refining fire that, Lord, purges things from our heart that shouldn't be there, that purifies our heart, takes away all the clutter, that we can more clearly see your plan and purpose for our life. Jesus, you came to earth to give us life unto the full. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for the life that you have given us. And Lord, we know that you are a God who is at work. Father, renewing our hearts and our lives all the time. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. And glorify your wonderful name. For truly you did come in grace and truth to lead us in the ways of righteousness and holiness for your name's sake. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.